Let's continue our series and our second part of a message entitled The Appeal of an Ambassador. This is part two. And I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16 through to chapter 6, verse 1. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Father, we ask as we look at this word that you will speak to our hearts the living word by the power of the Holy Spirit. This word will come alive in us. It will search us. It will convict us. It will encourage us. And most of all, Lord, let it draw us to our Savior yet again. We are not here to just hear words, but to worship you and love you for all you have done for us in Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So these words give us a window. Paul is, is defending, he's describing his ministry. And as such, it gives us a window into Paul's heart, his motives, and his message, and his methods of how ministry is meant to look. So we are expanding that. It's, this is not just for Paul. This gives us a great template, a necessary template, for how we are to minister and what our message is to be. And as I shared last week, um, we're looking at this in a specific framework because Paul starts this whole thing by saying, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade people. And so we're looking at this in the framework, how do we help people change? How do we help people move from here to here spiritually? How do we influence them towards spiritual growth and spiritual health? Because God is working on us. But God's goal for us isn't to just make us the best version of us we can be. His, his goal is to use us to help others grow in Christ, others change in necessary areas. And for a lot of us, we might think, well, I'm, I have so many areas in my life that need changing. Who am I to try to help someone else change? But God wants to use 
you to help others grow in Christ and change. As Paul Tripp says in his book, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands, he says, people in need of change helping people in need of change. That's us, unfinished people, trying to help unfinished people draw closer to Christ. If we wait till God's finished with us to try to help others grow, we're, we're not going to be of any use at all because we're going to be growing and changing until Jesus returns. So having said that, how do, we, how do we help people change? How does that look? And Paul uses a phrase here that is incredibly important, and that is as an ambassador for Christ. We are all ambassadors for Christ. And what that means is an ambassador represents a kingdom, a government, or a ruler. And they don't come with their own words and make things up on the fly. They speak on behalf of that government or that ruler. And that's us. We represent the kingdom of God. We speak on behalf of Jesus Christ. We can't just bring our own words to the table. We are to bring the words of God. And people need the word of God, the living word of God to help them to change. Verse 20 says it this way, God making his appeal through us. That's an ambassador for Christ. God speaking through us, making his appeal to others to grow, to change, or to come to Christ, making that appeal through us. So we looked at, we're looking at four characteristics. Last week we looked at the first two. That is this, the appeal of an ambassador of Christ is motivated by the love of Christ. Motivated by the love of Christ. The second thing we looked at is the appeal of an ambassador depends on the power of a new creation. God doesn't just refurbish us. He transforms us into a new creation. And we appeal to that, the power of God to make us new and make others new. We're appealing to that. Now, the third characteristic is found in these verses, the appeal of an ambassador of Christ is the message of reconciliation. I want you to read verses 18 through 21 with me again. Paul writes, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We have been given, Paul says, the ministry of reconciliation, verse 18, and the message of reconciliation, verse 19. Reconciliation is needed when a relationship is broken. Reconciliation is needed when two parties have become estranged from each other, alienated from each other. The relationship, the warmth, the friendship, 
broken. To reconcile is to fix that broken relationship. Sin alienated us from God. It broke our relationship with God. And it put a gulf between us and God that we could never bridge. For some reason in, in today's mentality, a lot of people that I talk about or talk to who are not Christians have an assumption that they're okay with God. That, yeah, of course, I'm, I'm good with God. But the Bible tells us that that is not true. Apart from Christ, none of us are good. None of us are good with God apart from Christ. There is a gulf we could never cross. There is a relationship so broken we could never heal it. But God could and God did through His Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 18, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, Christ in God, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against us. But how does that happen? How does a holy God not count our trespasses against him? He can't just forget them. He can't just ignore them. The answer is in verse 21. And this is the essential this is the, the epicenter of the gospel. For our sake, he, God, made him, Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God bridged the gap between God and man through his son, Jesus, who as God and man could be the perfect mediator and become the bridge between a holy God and sinful man. It's the cross. The cross is the only way to be reconciled to God. There is no other way for our sins to be paid for and God's justice to be satisfied except through the cross. Jesus paid it all. Don't you love those words? All to him I owe. I'm glad we're not singing, Jesus paid most of it. Or Jesus paid a great deal. He paid it all. All to him I owe. I'm so glad that on that day when I stand before God, it's not going to be like, here's what I bring and, and I'm going to combine it with what Jesus. It's like, I just owe everything to Jesus. Let that, let that just sweeten your soul. To just realize Jesus paid it all. The cross... The price, the weight of Jesus carrying our sins, all of our sins, upon himself on the cross. God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin. It, that doesn't mean that he made Jesus sinful. He just put all our sins upon Jesus as if he had committed them. But he doesn't stop there. It says then he makes us righteous. He gives us the righteousness of God. He made Jesus sin he made us righteousness. All of that done on the cross. And all of this makes reconciliation possible. Our sin has been paid for. The break in our relationship is healed. It is healed. We can come to God boldly. As ambassadors, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation and the message 
of reconciliation, which means we speak and we work for reconciliation. Now, you all know that this past week has been a terrible week in a, following a year full of terrible weeks. Uh, what happened at the Capitol building, the anger, the violence, the disruption, the disrespect was sad, it was troubling, it's tragic, it's, it's disheartening. But if that was like, wow, where did that come from? We haven't seen any kind of anger or violence or disruption for decades. It's, there's this atmosphere of growing anger, violence, and division that seems to be growing in our country. And a lot of it is certainly not helped by social media. I think a lot of it is fueled by social media. And I'm not talking one side or the other. I'm talking about all sides. I remember, I'm old enough to remember when the internet was kind of new to the general public where the, the, the thing that bugged me about social media was I was getting these emails and these posts from people all day long that were these syrupy, um, moralistic urban legends. And they would just come, I don't know if any of you remember that, but there were some people who felt that it was their call in life to pass on every urban legend, especially if it was a Christian urban legend that had this like story that was far-fetched and then it had this syrupy message. And I would get a bunch of those every day from some people and they would drive me crazy to get these emails. And now I miss those days. I miss those days now. I'd like some syrupy urban legends to come across my desk because there's so much anger and tribalism and polarization on social media and it reflects a growing rift in our nation. But what I want to say is this rift, the brokenness we see in our nation, and not just our nation, around the world, is not the root. It's the symptom. It's the symptom of our broken relationship with God. All the relational brokenness we, in the wor- in, we see anywhere, in any form, in the world, is a symptom of a deeper break. Whether it be in politics or between friends who no longer speak, or conflict in the family, civil unrest, wars, violence, it's all a symptom of a deeper brokenness. When our vertical relationship with God was broken, our horizontal relationships got broken as well. And that's why the Bible says in many different places, the world is going to be seeking peace. They're going to be crying out, peace, peace. But apart from Christ, there will never be peace. The move to have peace, which is not a bad thing. I mean, we shouldn't be moving to have war. But the desire to, to have a world full of peace apart from God will never happen. Because the symptom, the real, the real issue is our break with God. And Jesus brings us peace with God. And as ambassadors, we have a ministry and a message of reconciliation to people. Be reconciled to God. That's the call of God to the world. Be reconciled to me. And he gives us that call and that labor to do. Jesus died to save you. I was incredibly blessed 
couple of weeks ago when Tara Wood shared with me that one Sunday morning she prayed to receive Jesus Christ. Tara is Brenda's daughter. And she prayed to receive Jesus Christ. And um, I, that just, I told her, that made my day, it made my week. It's still making my weeks. I'm so grateful to God. And what happened was when Tara prayed to receive Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior, her sins were forgiven. The break between her and God completely healed. And she went from being a stranger to God to being a daughter of God, dearly beloved by him. All of this from God. And that's God's heart for Tara. And that's God's heart for the world. That's God's desire. And that's why he gives us the message and the ministry of reconciliation to see broken relationships with God healed, reconciled. And it's been so cool to hear how she's been growing and changing. God's speaking to her, and she and Brenda are reading the word, listening to the word of God and praying every night. And so it is so cool. We are so grateful, and we are praying for you, Tara, and cheering you on in your walk with God. But the ministry and message of reconciliation isn't just for those who don't know the Lord to come to the Lord. Paul's writing to believers, and he says, here's the message for you from God to you. Be reconciled to God. Believers sometimes need to hear that message as well. Now, I want to make a distinction. The work of reconciliation was completed in Christ. But the ministry of reconciliation is ongoing in our lives constantly. Because sin alienates our heart from God, doesn't it? It does. When we're in ongoing sin or we're trapped and ensnared by sin, our hearts grow distant and cold towards God. And so part of our ministry is to believers who are ensnared with sin, who are captured by sin, who are getting pummeled by sin, be reconciled to God. Know that reconciliation that is available. Our position with God is not affected, but our fellowship with God is affected. God doesn't pull away from us, but our hearts pull away from God. That's the power of ongoing sin. When we are in that place, what we need to hear is the power of the ongoing work of God through the gospel, the Holy Spirit, the new creation that we are. What we're trying to get from sin, we can only get from God. He is the fountain of living water. So the message is turn from that sin and be reconciled to God. Turn towards God. Receive from Him what your soul is longing for. Turn from the mud puddle and turn to the living fountain of Christ. Turn and be healed. God's waiting. God loves you. God has new life to give to you. New strength. So as ambassadors of Christ, as much as possible, we want our words to bring healing, not hurting. Binding, not brokenness, to relationships. And it starts with someone's relationship with God. And then from there, it can flow outward horizontally. So the appeal of an ambassador is the message of reconciliation and the final point we see here is the appeal is an appeal to God's grace at work within that person. Verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 1, Paul writes, Working together with him, with God, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. 
not to receive the grace of God in vain. We have a part in this, and God has a part in this. Our part is very small. God's part is very big. God has made us new creations in Christ. Our part is to believe. To believe you're a new creation. Not live in the old place, the old thinking, the old mentality. I am a figure. I can't do anything. I'm... Our place is to believe. God has reconciled us to himself. Our part is to receive that reconciliation and live in the goodness of it. God gives us grace. Our part is to live in the grace that God has given. And not only live in the grace that God has given, but work to help others live in the grace God has given them. How do we help people change? We appeal to the grace that God has given that person. If you remember uh, my malfunctioning dipstick story from last week, where I poured three quarts of oil into a car that already was full of oil, because that was my, that was the only problem I knew how to fix. So, even though it wasn't a problem with the car, I fixed it, made it worse. And it reminds us that people don't need three quarts of our ideas poured into them to try to fix them. They need the word from God. And that word is a word of grace. It's a word of grace. Some years ago, actually over 30 years ago, at the Bible school where I met my wife, we used to have Sunday afternoon services. And one Sunday, I know his name was John, is John. He came to the service. John was married. He had a couple of children, young children. And when I first got to know John, he was on fire. He was one of these, like, no compromise, take no prisoners, Christians. Just really bold. But for many months now, he had been struggling with depression, deep depression. And, and he had come to a place, I mean, he just was checking out. And I knew him as a friend. Um, he went from being on fire to barely surviving. His faith had plummeted. He was barely functioning, and he was disengaging from his family, and I knew it was really hard on his wife. Particularly, it was hard on his kids. And so this Sunday, John comes in, he sits on an aisle chair, and before the service began, I felt like I needed to try to help John. And so I knelt down in the aisle next to him, and I had come to a place where I felt like enough is enough. And so I knelt down next to him and I said, John, you need to get your act together. You need to pull it together. I explained that his wife was suffering the effects of his depression. I told him his kids needed him to get over it and re-engage. God wanted him to get over depression and get back into the flow of life. I poured three quarts of my thinking into him. Actually, I poured three quarts of condemnation into him. 
three quarts of condemnation into the soul of a person who is already struggling with condemnation. Do you not think he was aware of how this was affecting his family and those around him? Do you not think his soul already felt the weight? I am failing. I am falling short. But not knowing how to change that. Not knowing what to do. Feeling helpless under the weight. A heart demoralized. Paralyzed. His soul was already full of condemnation. But when I pulled the dipstick out, I felt like he needed three more quarts. If I could have that moment back, as I knelt next to John, I would want to appeal to the grace of God at work in him. And appeal to the faithfulness of God over his life and over his family. I would remind him of the unbreaking, unfailing love of Christ. And I would want to pour in him the assurance that Jesus was walking through this valley with him. And would never leave him. Maybe... Maybe try to connect him with counseling that might help him in a healthy way, a good counselor, to help him in a healthy way work through it. I would want to pour grace and grace and grace into that young man's soul. Now, it's been over 30 years since that day, and I'm happy to say John and I are still friends on Facebook. I don't know that I can call him a young man anymore. But he's doing well. He's on fire again. Sometimes John burns a little too hot for my taste. But I am glad. I rejoice that Jesus has held on to him. His wife, his kids are all doing well. God kept them, protected them. And you know what? Grew them through that hard time in compassion and patience and love. They're all heroes in my book, but what really, who really gets the credit is God and His grace. They are trophies of God's grace. Our appeal, Paul says, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. That's not meant to be this negative, don't you do this. It is to, don't forget the grace of God. Don't act like you don't have the grace of God in your life and make it empty. Let the grace of God flourish in your life. I appeal to you. So when believers around us, including ourselves, are falling short of the grace of God that God has given them, we appeal to them. Live by the grace that God has given to you. Live by that grace. Sometimes that calls for a strong word. I would not recommend a strong rebuke to someone who's struggling with depression, brothers and sisters. Ever. But when someone's hardened in sin, sometimes it takes a strong word. Appeal is a way of saying, move from there and get over there. Sometimes it's gentle. Sometimes it needs to be stronger, but it's always to be an appeal of grace. Words of grace that build up and not tear down. Words that appeal to draw near to God and experience His grace. Trust in the Savior who lived and died 
for them. So as we leave here this morning, we go as ambassadors for Christ. Every one of us. And we represent Christ to a sphere of people around us. And as we go, I want to just encourage you to remember this and, and let this stir in your soul that the appeal of an ambassador, the appeal that God wants to bring through your life is number one, to be motivated by the love of Christ. Number two is to be an appeal to the power of a new creation. If they're not a believer, you're not trying to clean up their sins. You're calling them to believe in Christ and be made new. If they are a believer, you're not trying to call them to do their own effort, but to, but to believe in the power of Christ in them. That they are no longer an old creation. They're a new creation. Number three, it's the ministry and it's the message of reconciliation. God's given us the call to fix, to bind, to heal. All this is from God. And then he makes his appeal through us. And finally, it's an appeal to the grace of God. It's already at work in them. Let's remember that as we go. And pray for opportunities to represent him well. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you so much. We owe it all to you. The chasm between us and God, your Father, was uncrossable for us, but you crossed it for us. The punishment for our sin was more than we could ever pay, but you paid it all for us. And Lord, how clearly we see in your word the love of our Father, the compassion of our Father, the goodness of our Father. And we see that also most powerfully demonstrated in you, dear Lord, in your life and your love and the way you healed people, the way you taught, and the way you died on the cross for our sins. We thank you for the hope that lives within us, the resurrection, new creation, hope. And we ask you now, Lord, as we are here, your ambassadors, use our lives to help others to change, to grow, to know the Lord. Use us as ambassadors for Christ, we pray. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. Have a good week in the Lord.